We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. We're taping this in the morning, so it's an AM edition of the PFB Pod. I got my coffee, watching a little Houston Open, uh, getting ready for the Masters, and so is Kyle Porter. Yeah, you're you're more locked into golf right now than I am. It's kind of funny because I remember being a kid, <laughs> my dad would watch golf, and I thought I thought it was like the most boring thing ever. It was like the worst. Sundays were the worst because he'd be watching golf and I'd be bored out of my mind. But now, I guess I'm old now because I love it. I'm all in. I, no, I cannot all... wait for the Masters. I cannot wait for all your pieces that you write on uh, CBS to get me ready for my uh, my Masters pools and the whole bit. I can't wait. Do you have, because obviously there's the obvious storylines and everything, but do you have like an under the radar storyline that you're excited about or, or just golfer that pe- just, you know, it's kind of off the off the beaten path? No, I'm all about the heavyweights. I want Tiger Phil <laughs> on Sunday. I want JT and and Rory up there. I don't. I don't, I don't think Rory will be up there. But uh, I'm all about the big names. Give me the give me the big fish. I'm, I'm a little worried though, Kyle, because we're all naturally we're all coming up with these dream leaderboards. And usually when we do that, we end up with you know Charlie Hoffman leading the way, wire to wire. You know somebody like that. Yeah, I don't think Charlie Hoffman's going to win the 2018 Masters. <laughs> No, I mean, I, but uh, I, talked to, I will say I, the Masters is a little more leaderboard uh, proof in that it's just such a small yeah. field that naturally the, the cream usually rises. It's a small field, and, and just the the caliber of guys that are playing great right now, it's just so – I mean, is it is it harder – I read this in one of my pieces, so you'll eventually read it, but is it harder or easy to envision Kevin Kisner beating Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Speed, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson – John Rahm, <laughs> Ricky Fowler, Bubba Watson, and Justin Thomas in the same week at Augusta. Well, Charles Schwartzel did it. Yeah, but were all those guys like really cruising at the time? Um, I mean, Phil was coming off, you know, another green jacket. Um, yeah, Tiger was still Tiger at that point. Rory was maybe, leading. Maybe not. Maybe not the peak. Yeah. <laughs> I went back and watched that full broadcast, by the way, and oh my, the, the Rory 10 is worse than I ever could have remembered. <laughs> I played but, from uh, that area. I played from over there. Oh yeah, you, you went to Rory's bunker cabin or whatever, Rory's <laughs> butler cabin. Anyway, yeah, was, we'll we'll talk more golf at the very end. I'm sure people want to want us to get into uh, Mike Boynton and the yeah. new baseball stadium. So let's let's get right into that, uh, Kyle. What what do you think of the uh, the contract extension that that Mike Boynton got? Well, I, I saw some people on Twitter. Uh, my buddy David Ubbin kind of deriding the the contract, and I was a little bit confused by the derision because they didn't give him the you know they didn't give him the keys to the kingdom. They they bumped him up to a respectable level. One point what is it? One point six mil in two thousand eighteen nineteen. Yeah, and then one hundred twenty five thousand dollars raises after that. I, it just seems very reasonable. Like it seems like I think it was it. It's actually close to what I predicted would happen. I think I said one point eight or one point seven uh, in the first year, and then you know, uh, like basically a total of six years, nine mil, which I think is pretty close to what it is. Um, I don't, I just I mean that was the reasonable move from both sides, wasn't it? I mean, and and this is all in the context of the lowest paid coach in the Big Twelve, not named Mike Boynton. Uh, is Steve Prom at Iowa State who makes two million dollars, and you're still, I mean, you're only seventy five percent of the way there, right? Of 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 the of the next lowest paid coach. So it's not like you're, 
it's not like you're going crazy, but you are saying, Hey, we think you're, we think your trajectory is good and we're going to, uh, make sure that you're, that we're committed to you for the, for the medium term and vice versa. I, I just thought it was a smart, reasonable play. Yeah, I think it's a, a win-win for everybody. And I think the derision comes from people just seeing the headline, Mike Boynton signs extension, and they go, after one year, he didn't even make the tournament before they really dive into you know, the contract details, the fact that he's still the, the lowest by far in the, in the Big 12. Uh, I think people just kind of rush to judgment on that. But I think if you look at it, I think it was certainly reasonable to only pay him a million dollars considering he was very lucky to get the job. Uh, but w- once you see the potential that he has and the job they did his first year, you, you want to bump him up to where it's not just this gulf between him and Steve Prom. Now, I will say the Big 12 is unique in that I think every coach has like been to a Sweet 16. So there's a reason they all make $2 million. So it's it's not a case where, well, Iowa State's paying their coach $2 million. We have to pay this guy $2 million. I don't think that's the case at all. I think what they did was perfect. I think it... It's the best of both worlds, as you mentioned, where you, you show Boynton that you, you like what he did in year one. You show that you like his potential, but you're not going to give him you know a 10-year deal or even $2 million per just after one season in which you didn't make the tournament. So I, I thought it was perfect. I, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't see too much derision, but I think those that were deriding it really didn't have full context. Yeah, so I said he should get five year, a five-year $9 million deal. And he ended up getting six for eleven and a half, so basically the same. Older been listening to PFB, kind of. Yeah, right. Uh, kind of on the same uh, trajectory there. I mean, I, I I do get it. Like, I I think there are some people that are like, wow, the NIT, not even a not even a one seed in the NIT, you know. Um, so I, I get that side of it, but at at some point, like, you have to pay based on what you think is going to happen in the future. Like you can't, if you keep paying based on what happened in the past, you're just going to, you're just going to lose guys to Georgia or Illinois or USC or whoever will pay them. You know, at at some point you have to pay based on what you think the future is going to look like. And and I think that's at least part of what they're doing here. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you also can't pay your guy just because you think, Oh my God, he's gonna leave. Which you can't do that. Travis Ford. But, Travis Ford. Right. Exactly. That's why. That's how Travis Ford ends up with a ten-year deal. But uh, Kentucky's Kentucky's open. It might open. Is it could be open? Pay him. Yeah, pay him all we were, the money. We were talking about that the other day. Like the notion that Travis Ford was gonna get the Kentucky job. Like <laughs> I know he's like a favorite son and played there, but come on, they hired Calipari. You think how far yeah. down on the list was Travis Ford at the time? I mean. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, you can't pay just based on, oh, we're terrified he's going to leave. But at the same time, you cannot afford to have another Brad Underwood debacle. You just you simply cannot afford to have someone come in and pay him. You know, if he's still if you're just going to continue to pay him the one million dollars for next year, you know, who's going to stop a school from pay, offering him two point five and making him think about it? I mean, this is a business as much as we we think Boynton's bought into Stillwater and bought into the program, which I think he has. Um, you know, we, we saw how quickly Brad Underwood's mind was changed after he came whispering sweet nothings about Henry Iba and, and Eddie Sutton, you know, so I think you well, have it, to avoid that situation from happening ever again. Yeah. And, and this is sort of the, 
the path that Mike Gundy has been on, right? Like when he started out, I mean, it's almost exactly how Gundy's tenure started out in Stillwater. He didn't, um, you know, he performed not, I I guess Boynton was better in year one than Gundy was. But if you just look at kind of the whole three or four first years of Gundy, he, he got incrementally better. And then, and you know, he got incremental raises. Like he didn't, nobody went crazy. That was what was so weird about the Travis Ford thing is like, that was the outlier in, in all the salary situations for Oklahoma state coaches and, and administrators that that's the outlier, right? Everybody else has been paid incrementally and then been rewarded when they've had great success. Like Gundy basically has a lifetime contract now because he's had so much success. And then all of a sudden you step into Travis Ford and say, here's 20 mil. And it's like, well, what, what, why? Like, why, why did, who did that? That was so, it was so weird to look back on. Well, I think um, you, I think why that my theory why that happened was you know Holder took so much heat for how uh, his relation. Remember the, all the rumors about his relationship with the Suttons and how they couldn't yeah. stand each other, and then he he fires Sean at the time. We had no idea why. Uh, felt like a rushed firing, um, and then this guy he hires that he handpicks uh, after Self turned him down, but he handpicks Ford. And he has this great season and wins the game. I think it was almost Holder trying to validate his own. Looky here, I got my man. I'm gonna reward him. I, you know that because you're right. That is an outlier, and it did take a unique situation. I think it was Holder trying to show everyone, look, I made this awesome call, and he's our guy, and I want to show he's our guy for life. You know, I, I think it was a case of that to prove all the all the haters wrong. You know. Yeah. I, I guess so. Which I, I guess he could have done with. I guess he could have done that with Boynton this year too. Since <laughs> he, no one thought he made a good hire at the time. Yeah, I know. I know. You you mentioned that the other day in our Slack chat, and I, I, I it's still hard. And we've talked about this a hundred times, but like I still think the process was a little bit weird and flawed. But um, clearly, I mean, Holder made a good. I mean, he 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 ended up making a good choice. You know, even at if at the time it, I, I, I still say it was a bad choice, but it, it resulted in a good outcome, you know, for, for Oklahoma state. And, and that's sort of all that matters. If you're, if you're uh, Mike Holder is, you know, what is the outcome? Like, what is, what is the, uh, what is the end result here? And uh, he, he clearly, you know, and again, like they haven't had a winning record in the big 12. They haven't made the NCAA tournament. There's a lot, of runway left for Mike Boynton to, to kind of eat up, which to me leads us into the next point of, uh, Brandon Everett announced, uh, on, I think it was, was it Tuesday that he's transferring? Uh, what, what was your reaction to that? Were you surprised? Were you just, what, what, how did you feel when you, when you saw that? Uh, initial surprise. And then the more I kind of sat down and thought about it, I I realized, well, he's probably going to play less next year even though Kendall Smith's graduating because they have Michael Weathers and the Curtis Jones kid coming in. I, I'm sure that during practices, Averett and Boynton both came to the same conclusion, like, look, these two guys are going to be playing ahead of you. Like, I think, I don't think he's dumb. I don't think he just leaves OSU thinking he's going to be the starter. So I think the more I thought about it, it kind of made more sense in that I think he'll play actually less minutes next year than he did this year. Curtis Jones... I thought he's a shooting guard, right? Or is he a point guard? Uh, combo. I mean, I think he could bring the ball to the floor. I mean, I really, you think about it. I mean, Kendall Smith, 
wasn't exactly a pure point guard. He was more of a combo guard, wasn't he? I mean, he yeah, uh, certainly bigger for a point guard. Didn't really pass the ball. He wasn't like a big passer. You know, he's more of a scoring combo guard. So I think I think Curtis Jones is one and the same. But I again, I've I've seen him in street clothes. So I'll have to I'll have to wait and see. But I assume they both can play point, don't you? Well, but he's also not eligible until uh, spring, which I guess is the majority, if not all, of your Big 12 games. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that – and I wrote this – I actually forget about Curtis Jones. I remember Weathers, but I always forget about Jones. I think that Averett transferring is a little bit of an inflection point for Boynton because it sort of shines a light on the fact that you don't have a true point guard for next year and – Maybe Weathers is the answer. Maybe Jones is the answer. Maybe a combination of them is the answer. But to me, it it speaks more to: um, Are you going to land a? Are you going to land Courtney Ramey? Are you going to land a high school kid, or are you going to go get another Kendall Smith? And and like I I don't think Averett transferring is a big deal for Oklahoma State's program. I do think it's a big deal. In terms of, I think we might look back on it and be like, okay, that's when Boynton proved he could recruit in high school, or that's when we fully realized that he was going to um, be a big player in the transfer market and get guys, like get real guys that can that can play. And he sort of proved that in year one with Kendall Smith, but you know, I think there needs to be some some continuity there. Kyle Boone wrote a great piece comparing what Boynton's doing to what Nevada has done, which is go and just kill it in the transfer market and they've made the last couple NCAA tournaments because of it. So I, I just think that I think in college basketball, your fortunes can change really quickly uh, more so than in college football, more so than in most other sports because of how few guys there are and how, if you have one or two playmakers that can make all the difference in the world. I mean, we, we talked about that all year with Kendall Smith. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think Everett transferring while not a big deal will be, uh, sort of a, a turning point or could be a turning point for Mike Boynton. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. And I, I again, maybe maybe Averett just wanted to leave, but I I can't imagine Boynton would have allowed that to happen if he didn't have a plan. You know what I'm saying? Like I obviously I think that would hurt their depth if they don't land who they kinda want to land. But I, I, I gotta think that Boynton thinks he's landing a certain number of of guards, because you're right. Curtis Jones is a shooting guard. He's six four, so he's more of a more of a shooting guard than a point guard. But I think Weathers is the guy at point, and I think Boynton's confident enough he can land somebody else. But I think that the transfer thing is, it's gotten just it's more than just a Nevada thing. It's widespread. Every single day you get on Twitter, some guy transferring. You know, OU's had two transfer, OSU now. I mean, there it's it's kind of become a, a free agent market. So. But I, I will agree with you in, the, in that, um, or a point I would make about the transfer deal is, you know, Boynton said this. He's like, I don't think there was a better grad transfer in the country than Kendall Smith as far as the impact he made on his team. And it's hard to argue that. Like, he ended up being as good or probably better than Boynton thought he could be when he recruited him. Now, that seems to be a rare case. Like it, it always takes those guys about half the year to get acclimated. It, it even took Kendall Smith. He got benched halfway through the year for Averett. So I think it's a bit of a gamble to kind of rely on those guys every single year, which I think that's why Boynton's recruiting a Courtney Ramey and, and, and such. But, but I will say like to just expect to recruit somebody like Kendall Smith and expect it to work out as well as it did. It's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I guess Weathers is a point guard and, 
people are telling me I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> well, he is a point guard I here. I mean, again, I've seen him in street clothes. So I think, you know, that's probably his position. But I think anyone claiming they know about his abilities would be lying. I mean, you could watch his Miami of Ohio film, I guess. But we'll have to see how he plays in the Big 12. Yeah. Supposedly, he's, supposedly he's really good. I mean, I've heard Boynton talk about him and Jones, and he seems pretty fired up about both of them. So I, th- I don't think the cupboard's as bare as, as maybe we should expect. Just looking at the guys that are graduating and, and even Averett leaving. So, but no, I, I do think it's an inflection point. I do think partly why they didn't go overboard with Boynton is we have to see how well he's going to recruit. We have to see how well he's going to build a program in his own vision. Uh, that that was what something Ford could not do. You know, he won with Sean's players, and and Boyton won with with Underwood's players. So it's going to be a matter of what type of guys do he bring in, and how how good are they going to be? Because I I do think he can coach. You know that I keep going back to that that backdoor lob play he called like five times, and it was wide open every time, and they either mistimed the jump or threw it too high. I think Boyton wants some dudes that'll go up and get it and slam it. So we'll we'll see if he can get them. Yeah, I know. I, I It's exciting. It's weird that I almost feel like there's, and maybe this is just me, but I feel like sometimes there's more optimism around Oklahoma State basketball right now than Oklahoma State football, even though Mike Gundy can't stop winning 10 games a year and, and Boynton just yeah. went to, to the NIT. Do, do you, <laughs> is that, like, is that crazy? Well, I think, say? I think part, I, I agree, but I think part of it is, you know, we're, we're just coming out of this season where it ended strong. We had 11,000 in Gallagher Iba and, Football's getting ready for spring ball in which Gundy doesn't let anyone know anything and they they basically run a two touch flag football game for the spring game. So I don't get too fired up about football until summer at least. So I think that's part of it. But uh, no, I I think people are fired up about basketball again. I think that's uh, it's a good thing. It's it's hard to believe it. I mean, I thought this time last year that there wouldn't be 10 people in Gallagher. <laughs> and there were 11,000 for an NIT game, which, which I went to, which was fantastic. But, uh, can I, but no, can so, I, yeah. Can I read you part of my article that I wrote about Everett? Yeah, I, I read it and I, I, I saw the comments just burning you to the state at the stake. <laughs> I, I, I have not looked at the comment. I wrote this two days ago. I said, what Everett transferring does is shine a light on the fact that Mike Boynton currently has zero options at point guard and, 2018-19 the first comment is michael weathers will be the starting point guard and it has 11 upvotes from people and then the <laughs> next one is yeah what the hell is porter talking about weathers is a point guard and is used to having the ball in his hands he was number three in the nation in 2017 in usage rate and number five in assist rate so clearly i have no idea what i'm talking about i i, I <laughs> for whatever reason i just presumed that he was going to play off the ball um I don't know why I presume that. I I don't I have no idea. I think he's the dude. I mean, he averaged like 16 a game. Was the freshman of the year in the MAC, which is a pretty pretty good conference. So I think yeah. Again, those guys have been practicing with the team. So I think I think Boynton had a really good idea of what he had with with Weathers and Jones. So I I can't imagine if Averett thought he was going to start or even play more minutes next year, he would have left. So I, I think. I, I, this is just me speculating, but I, I got to think he thought he'd play more elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, okay. We need to we need to do some toasting, Carson. I've it. got Kyle Boone's coming in town tonight. He's driving to the Final Four, 
and uh, we are going to, maybe we'll do some toasting tonight. Uh, it's time for Coop Aleworks Toast of the Week. Coop Aleworks, bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coop Aleworks, and please remember to drink responsibly. Uh, okay, you got a, you got a toast, Carson? Well, I can't toast my Kohler every week, can I? <laughs> I'll uh I'll crack a cold one for uh for Mike Boynton. A uh Oh what's a what's a let's work? What's the let's work flavor of, of Coop? Brief DNR? Case Brown. Briefcase, Briefcase Brown. Brown, Briefcase Brown. I'll I'll toast one of those for uh Mr. Let's Keep Working. Um No, he's He's got me fired up about basketball again. I'm like, I'm like diving into like the recruiting rankings. I'm diving into this this seedy underworld that that Kyle Boone hangs out with for basketball recruiting. So I'm toasting him. Uh, I'm sure he'll be working pretty hard over the next few weeks trying to land uh, Courtney Ramey and maybe some others as well. But uh, just tremendous first season. Again, I I knew he was obviously respected and and well liked, which is, I think is why he got the job. But we had no idea what type of coach he was. And I'll say it again, like I realized very early on that Travis Ford could not coach. I've realized very early on that Mike Boynton can, you know, I was, I went to a couple of the NIT games. I thought that Stanford game, he really made some big time adjustments as far as pressing to get the pace in his favor. Um, the, the adjustments they made against the zone worked beautifully. Uh, they got wide open, wide open shots, uh, after, doing nothing the first you know in second and third quarter so he's proven to me he can coach now it's just a matter of how well can he recruit so uh get the briefcase ready let's work i like it i'm gonna go in a different direction i'm gonna go let's go on native amber uh for native son alex norin of oklahoma state he's from sweden he is uh probably the second best oklahoma state golfer in the world right now uh, he made first. it first. Yeah, he might be. <laughs> he made it to the. Uh, where did he make it? He made it to the semifinals of the of the uh, match play last weekend. Got beat by Kevin Kisner in a playoff on the nineteenth hole. Not the place where you drink beer, but the actual nineteenth hole. <laughs> and uh, he's he's a great player. He's this is his first year to play the PGA Tour full time. Uh, and he's been uh, he's been awesome. So uh, good dude, great worker, and I'm excited to see him. I think he might I think he might end up being low Swede at the Masters. I don't, it might be a two man race between him and Henrik Stenson, but uh, he's he's a really good player and he's having a really good year. And he wears Nike. I love it. Yeah, he wears when was t- he he wears t shirts to play golf in. Well, he can't t- he can't tell Nike what to make. I mean, he's got to wear those stupid blade collars. I get it. <laughs> Do you think Tiger has to wear blade collars? No, because he he didn't last last time I saw him. He was wearing he a collar. Did, he wore it at uh, he wore it at Valspar final round, and it looked and it looked like it was bugging him the entire times. So and yeah. you notice he hadn't worn it since. Um, I don't I don't think he has to wear blade collar. No. When was Norrin was Norrin at OSU when Hunter Mahan was like was it that long ago? Uh, I think it was even longer. I think it was Charles oh. Howe. Oh wow. He's he's really old. Yeah, he's like thirty five. He's really okay. old. He's like our age. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, he there might have been some crossover with with Hunter Mayhan, but uh, I've no, not I, really I, I've not I really watched, interacted uh, with him that much. But 
yeah, he seems like a great dude. Everyone seems to like him on tour, but uh, I watched him. Uh, he, man, he. I'm a little worried about him at the Masters, Kyle, because when he got to that playoff hole with Kisner, it was almost like a mental block. Like he, that putty hit, like yeah. it went like four feet to the left and like four feet short. It was like like me when I have a, a knee knocker putt, you know, like, I don't know. And then he hit it like uh, left to right, which is not the ball flight you want, Augusta. Yeah. I told you I'm yeah. deep into this stuff. I man. don't. I don't think he's gonna like win the Masters, uh, but he's number I think twenty six on my on my rankings. Okay, so, that's respectable. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, we need to talk about the baseball stadium, but first, in honor of the baseball stadium, let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, Carson, it's the time of year again when we're reminded that Oklahoma State. Uh, has the best baseball uniforms in the country. Uh, I know we've talked about it probably a few times on here, but what is your favorite uh, part of their uniform or, or get up? Oh, it's got to be just um, the orange jersey with the you know the bat going across. I mean, those are just they pop so good, and they go with just about every helmet or hat they want to wear or pants. So I got to go with the the orange jersey, but. Uh, yeah, they, those are didn't awesome. They add, didn't they add a gray uniform this year for road? Yeah. That's always a, it's always a every, solid baseball look. Everything they add is awesome. <laughs> like, it's it's so good. They have the best uniforms at Oklahoma State. I want to know who to thank. Like, I know Holiday brought those in when he became the coach, but, like, are they sponsored by Majestic still? Or are they Nike? I think they're Nike. I think they're Nike, yeah. So, yeah, and you want to um, go Under Armour in the meantime. <laughs> Uh, my favorite, and this is so bizarre because I, I've, I've mentioned this before. I love the camo hats. I'm not a camo person. Eh. I think camos, whatever. I think their camo hats are awesome. I don't know if it's cause it's got the orange OS on there or what, but I love them. I think they're great. Eh, they're okay. I mean, I don't know if it, it's not the best thing, but that's the one thing that sort of sticks out to me, uh, whenever I think about their unis. They're okay. I also like their cream colored. Like they don't have white unis. They have like the San Francisco Giants cream colored unis. Oh, the ones that says Cowboys on the front. Yeah, fabulous. I love yeah, those. Good alternate. Um, yeah. What do you think of the stadium announcement? Uh, well, it's unbelievable. I mean, Oklahoma State's tweeting out the the videos and gifs of it right now, and. There's people are kind of throwing around dollar figures of many, many tens of millions of dollars, and um, I don't know. It's it's pretty big time. I, I'm curious. Like, I think that we have a hard time evaluating how much impact facilities has on bringing guys in, because I think sometimes we overrate it and sometimes we underrate it, depending on who the recruits are. Uh, but I I think that it is. Like you're better off having a, a better facility than having a worse one, right? I don't know if it needs to be a 50 or 70 or however many millions of dollars this one is going to cost, but it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's really, really impressive and I'm excited about it again. Like if you're a college sports program, college athletics program, you're, you're selling hope, right? Like my point is selling hope 
to recruits, to parents, to fans. And I think that a future with a baseball stadium like this is incredibly hopeful. And I think it, uh, John Helsley pointed this out in an article on, on, uh, go pokes, but, uh, it sort of ties holiday to Stillwater. Not that he's not going to leave, but, um, it, it, it's one more kind of stake in the ground. If you're, if you're Josh holiday to, to stay at Oklahoma state. Yeah, totally. And you can only rest on the 1980s for so long. I mean, that that's becoming further and further distant past. Uh, recruits don't care anymore, hardly, about Robin Ventura and P.D. Cavillia. But a lot of them probably don't remember who they are, which is, sounds crazy to guys like you and me, but that's just the facts. I mean, these guys are 18 years old. Um so yeah, you got to get you got to get with the times. And if you want to be a big time program, you have to you have to play in you don't necessarily need a, you know, 70 million dollar stadium or whatever this thing's costing, but you can't play at Alley P. Like we all love Alley P, but like I've seen high school stadiums in much better condition and much better uh, technologically than than Alley P Reynolds. So it, it was beyond time and uh, they're they're getting up with the times and uh, this can only help for sure and and I think you and I underrate probably the facilities because we weren't allowed in them. I guess you were. You played. You walked onto the baseball team. But like, if I was a recruit, like, of course I would want the best facilities. That's where I'm going to be spending all of my time. So I think, I think it, it does matter. And obviously, it's a great thing that they finally got it done. I guess how'd they get it done? Because I know money was was hard. Did they get some private funding? I don't know. Apparently. I, I, that's probably going to be made more public at the announcement today. Uh, we've got, uh, Luke Garza, our, our beat writer in Stillwater is going to cover it. So he'll have a bunch of details on it, I, I presume, but Travis yeah, Ford's I, Travis Ford's contract right now. So they have all <laughs> these extra funds laying around. Uh, like they won the lottery. Funny. They don't have to pay Travis anymore. <laughs> they need, uh, hopefully, uh, Matt holiday gave a big, big figure. And that's uh, probably true. They, uh, they named something at the stadium after him, like the Matt Holiday weight room or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Name uh, Matt Holiday okay. Stadium for all I care. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, let's uh, let's take a break here one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and then we will come back and wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, uh, we talked Boynton contract, we talked baseball stadium, we talked Averett leaving, and the fact that I don't know that Michael Weathers is a point guard, which is <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, what what did we miss, and uh, what else did you want to touch on? Oh, I, I do think it's interesting Mike Gundy's rocking a gray beard. Uh, he's looking more and more disheveled by the day. Uh, <laughs> a fr- fr- friend of the pod, uh, Zach McGinty, brought up the fact that he was wearing a hoodie from the bowl game in which they played Bama, like in like 07. Yeah. yeah. In, so he's going full Bill Snyder with the 07 hoodie as well. Yeah. 
It's so good. It's like, yeah, it, he's out of control. <laughs> uh, spring ball interests, no interests, excited, not excited. Oh, I'm, I'm interested. Um, it's just, it's hard to really, you know, you're not allowed to like cover it really. Like you, you interview guys after practice like, Oh, so Hey, how'd practice go? Good. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Um, how'd so-and-so look good? I mean, it's just, I don't know. I've covered it. I'm probably jaded because I've covered it for so long. There's just not much you can glean from it. But, uh, I'm interested to, uh, kind of hear the scuttlebutt, uh, from people who get to watch practice and see who kind of is doing well at quarterback and a receiver. So that'll, that'll be interesting. I, I did see a picture of uh, Tyron the other day, uh, that he posted on Twitter. So he seems to be doing all right. Seems to, Seems to be uh, back in back in his world, back in Gundy's world. <laughs> see how many Land- the box. See how many Landon Wolfs they have. Remember when Landon Wolf was going to be like the third receiver last year? Him and uh, Obi Obiallo or whatever the other walk on. Yeah, you're like, probably not. No. <laughs> okay, last thing. I know you wanted to touch on. Uh, you came across. A hidden gem, a former Oklahoma State Cowboy from the early 2000s in something you watched recently. Can you uh, yeah. can you tell me about that? Well, you know, the Masters put all of their final round broadcasts dating back to like the 60s on YouTube. So I've watched 2011, which was incredible. There was like 10, Bo Van Pelt was in the hunt. There was like 10 guys trying to win it that year. Watched 2010, 2004. I think it was 2004 is the one that the your friends, the No Laying Up guys, they did like a live periscope while watching it. And the the low am that year was Casey Wittenberg, former OSU golfer. I remember this guy was supposed to be like the next Tiger. He was so good. And he he actually like finished like pretty high from what I remember watching that broadcast. Uh, he was the low am and he got to sit in there with uh, with Phil Phil like slapped him on the knee while he's getting his green jacket. So I kind of he completely disappeared. I have no idea what happened to Casey Wittenberg. I was hoping you could fill me in. Well, he actually played with Tiger in like the uh, thirteen players championship when Tiger won it. I think. I think that's when he played with him there. So he's still he's still cranking. He's actually the lowest. I think this is true. Uh, he's the lowest finishing amateur of this century at the Masters. Wow. No amateur has finished in a better position on the leaderboard. Um, he, Hold on, let me look him up real quick, because I think he might be like on the web.com or something. says currently on the web. Yeah. He was tied for 10th at the U.S. Open in 2012, so he didn't just totally disappear. No, he's had a, he's had a good career. I, I think... Guys like that, it's so hard. The guy that I always think about is uh, Pablo Martin, who played at Oklahoma State yeah. uh, forever ago. And it's like there's only there's only 10 top 10 players in the world, and there's a 1,000 guys that think that they're going to be the, a top 10 player. And so the other 990, you're like, what's their story? What Ty Tryon is coming back this week. Remember him? Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing this week on the web.com. So I, I think that's what's so fascinating about golf and, and really about all these sports that we cover. There's so many people's stories who they didn't, they didn't climb the mountain. Like they never reached the top, but they still have a story. And I think all of them are super interesting. 
He finished T13 as an amateur at the Masters in 2004. That's sick. Well, and I think I think the reason why I view like he was supposed to be the next Tiger, he was like one of the best OSU golfers ever, from what I remember. Is that right? His amateur career, like he almost won the U.S. Amateur. Yeah. Was probably an All American every year. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was a he was a great amateur, really, really impressive. So yeah, he, he was in the Butler cabin with Jim Nance and and Phil Mickelson, and I totally forgot about him. So kind of brought up my. Uh, Brought him back up in my memory memory yeah. bank. A throwback. Yeah. Um, okay. I am. Uh, I'm actually coming up to Oklahoma this weekend. See the in-laws before I head to Augusta. Oh. And, uh, yeah. What are you up to this weekend? I'll be working, but I could I could squeeze in a golf round or. <laughs> you probably try- have kids crawling all over you, but. Yeah, I'm, I might I might try to do that. I don't know. I'll 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 let you know the schedule, but yeah, let, um, give me the itinerary. Yeah. If not, then we will hopefully try to podcast on Monday with a little, little Ricky Fowler, Alex Noren Masters preview, and uh, and talk maybe a little bit more about the baseball stadium. Sounds good. You'll have to get my uh, Masters teams ready for me. We did really well last year. <laughs> we. <laughs> yeah, you're you're part of this. Whether you whether you want to be or not, you're in it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, Carson. We will uh, we'll talk to you later, and uh, hope you have a good weekend. All right, man. Have a good weekend. See ya.